Welcome to City Harvest Sermon Podcast. We've got Pastor Kong and Pastor Sun this week, touching on the topic of relationships. Sun and I have been talking about this, and we are starting a brand new series called Relationship Builders. Relationship Builders. How to build great relationships with one another. How to have great friendship. How to be a wonderful parent how to be a a wonderful couple or have a fantastic marriage. Now, we are fully aware, seated in our midst, are people from all shapes and fashion of life, that some of you here are single, some of you are married, some of you are engaged, some of you are attached, some of you are divorced, some of you are widowed. Now, the principles of love and relationships They are universal. They apply to every one of us. Jesus says we are to love one another the way He loves us. So it doesn't matter you're single, you're married, you're divorced, you're widowed, you're attached, you're engaged. Well, it applies to all. But since marriage is the most complex of all relationships, well, we are going to zero in on the married couples. So those of you who are married, our focus is on you over these few weeks. However, I want you to know, if it works for them, it will work for every single one of us. For example, husband and wife must love one another. Singles must also love one another. Husband and wife, they must care for one another. Every one of us must care for our parents, care for our children. The principles are universal. But the marriage relationship is the most complex. It's the toughest because your two people are the closest. They are soulmates. So the hurts are always more. The the pain of a divorce is the most painful. The death of a spouse have the highest percentage of stress in the pain index. So if it works for married people, it will work for all of us. All right? So let's just get the ball rolling and get started. I love poems, and in one of Pablo Neruda's poems, he writes, I love you without knowing how or when and from where. I love you simply without problems or pride. I love you in this way because I don't know any other way of loving but this, in which there is no I or you. So intimate that your hand upon my chest, it's my hand. So intimate that when I fall asleep, it is your eyes that close. We all dream of such intimacy and union in our marriage. But yet, in reality, it is often not the case. And why is it so? This is because most of us, we are still carrying the wounds and the scars of the past. You know what? If you want to have a happy marriage, then you got to be as healthy emotionally and mentally as you can possibly be. The healthier you are psychologically, emotionally, the happier your marriage will be. But very often, the painful memories of what we have gone through in life, in our upbringing, you know, the, the, the traumas, the, the abuses, the control, the manipulation, they very often affect us deeper than, than we give them credit for. We may think, they're already buried deep down inside us. Well, it's a long time ago. It's, it's forgotten. I, I, I've forgotten about them. I have dealt with them. I'm no longer bothered by them. 
But unfortunately, they're all still there, lurking deep inside. And as we grow older, those traumas and those abuses and memories, they form our personalities and they form our character. So for most people, the way we deal with it is two ways, outwardly and inwardly. Outwardly, we begin to put up emotional walls. We want to protect our heart. We don't want to be hurt again. Unfortunately, sometimes the walls get thicker and the walls get more and more to such an extent, we can't receive love anymore. So you have people in a relationship and they always say, I don't feel love. I, I, I don't know why. I just cannot receive it. I, I just cannot uh, exalt the love that you're giving to me. Now, inwardly, how do we deal with the pain of traumas and bad memories? We numb our feelings on the inside. Unfortunately, you can't pick and choose. When you numb one feeling in one area of your heart, because your heart is a whole, everything numbs. Everything becomes shut down until you begin to lose the ability to feel love. You are emotionally shut down. So what happens is, you can't receive love outwardly. You can't feel love inwardly. You can't give love out to others. So problems begin to evolve. Like what pastor say, when someone has emotional walls, you know, or is emotionally shut down, not only does he not able to feel love, he's not able to receive love or give love. And this, in a relationship, especially a marriage, is like giving a death sentence to it. You know, I grew up in a dysfunctional family. Back then, my parents were not Christians. And back then, they have a lot of challenges, financial challenges, relationship challenges. And when I was six years old, one night I was awakened by some shoutings and screamings. And what I witnessed dashed my perfect childhood. Um, I was shocked to see all the abuses, screaming, things that I should not have seen. It affected me from that point onward. Not one day passed after the age of six where there was no fighting or quarrels in my family. I hated home. Home to me is unsafe. I didn't want to go home. I didn't want to be there. When I was 14 years old, one night I was studying for my final year exam. Now, those of you around my age, you remember when you're 14, there's a critical time because streaming happens right after that. So I was a little stressed. I wanted to do well. I wanted to get into a good class, to a good stream. Unfortunately, my parents were fighting again. They were having a big fight, a serious fight, just on the eve of my final exam. So those around came to me and said, Kong, you have to ask dad and mom to stop. Please, ask them to stop. I went to the room and I pleaded with them. I said, Daddy, Mommy, please, please don't fight anymore because we don't know how to handle all this. Of course, they wanted to. But Dad and Mom, they were overwhelmed by their own stress, by their own pain. So, of course, they wouldn't listen to us. I went back to my room, disappointed, a little angry, and I made an inner vow. I said, enough is enough. I said, I, I, I can't handle this. 
I need to focus on my work. I will never allow myself to ever be hurt by this family again. I will never allow family matters to ever affect me or to make me cry or to make me hurt or to make me discouraged. I will from now on never be hurt by this family. That was the inner vow I have made 14 years old. I amazingly, surprisingly, was able to go back to my study, focus on my books, and did reasonably well in the final exams. But I soon realized one thing. I'm no longer affected by any of the fights or quarrels that were happening at home. I thought this was pretty good. You know, they were fighting, screaming, and I would just walk by the elders, the pa my parents, or whoever that's fighting, smile at them, have my back with me, and said, I'm going out, and you won't see me for the next three days. I'm staying with my friends. Bye. And I thought, hey, this is really good. Very pleased with myself. You know, I mean, I'm no longer affected by the family and, or by the quarrel. This, this was great. Oh, this is great. Until son and Ivy got married. And then I realized one thing. Every time there's a quarrel, every time there's a fight or there's tension, and, and ministry can be intense. And every time there's some form of tension, suddenly I will feel very tired and sleepy. And I want to go to the room to sleep. And I found that actually quarrels or tension is the best form of medication against insomnia. <laughs> Anytime there's a fight, I want, to, I want to sleep. Or I want to just go out for a long drive. So whenever there's a form, any argument, I said, you know what, I, I got to run an errand. Sorry, I can't talk to you about this right now. And, and I got to go. And I'll go for a long drive all by myself for hours before I come back home. So I remember one night, it was after a heated argument. And once again, Kong went straight to the bedroom and slept. <laughs> I told myself, this is it. I was not going to condone this kind of action this kind of behavior anymore. I was so sleepy. I, so I went to the room, I pulled off his blanket, I demanded that he wake up and talk to me about what had happened. But guess what? He refused to wake up. He kept pulling the blanket back on. I was on. sleepy, I was cold. The aircon was blowing. That night, I was so hurt. I was so hurt because I felt that Kong shut himself off from me. And that's not the first time. And while he was sleeping, pretending that he's sleeping or whatever, I took my pillow, I went to the toilet, I closed the door, and I told myself that I would never go back to sleep on the bed with him ever again. Our marriage would never be the same again. And that night in the toilet, I cannot stop crying. And I just kept sobbing and sobbing. And the devil took the opportunity. And he came to me and he said, you know, Kong didn't love you. What kind of a man would go to sleep after an intense argument? What kind of a man would not care about how hurt his wife was? You know, sleepy I, man. I thank God for the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in every temptation, He provides a way of escape. Amen? Amen. So the Holy Spirit came and He spoke to me. He said, son, look around. What do you see? I said, 
Toilet Lord. <laughs> toilet. I see toilet. I'm lying on the floor of the toilet. I'm so cold. I don't have a blanket because Kong took it. <laughs> and I hate the smell. I was so full of self-pity that night. And the Lord just said to me and said, Son, you know Kong loves you. And I started arguing with God. I said, God, if Kong loves me, he suddenly didn't inform his mind to express his love to me. I didn't feel any love. I don't hear any love language. I, you know, God, I don't believe that he loves me. And I just was complaining and full of self-pity. And it was like the Holy Spirit just ignored all the murmuring. And he just said to me, Son, go back to bed. You don't want to sleep in the toilet. You see, when God said, you don't want to sleep in the toilet, he knows what he's saying. Because God knows that I have OCD in cleanliness. Every speck of dust, any kind of bad odor, it drives me up the wall. So when God says to me, you don't want to sleep in the toilet, I was so glad that he provided me a, a way of escape. <laughs> now I can tell myself that I'm going back to sleep on the bed, not for Kong, but for God. Because God told me so. <laughs> God asked me, you know, it's Him giving me a way to bow out graciously. But something wonderful and something significant happened that night. The Holy Spirit told me and said, Son, look for a chance, find a chance to ask Kong about his family. So Son said to me and said, Hey, Kong, how come we never go back to see mom and dad? So I said, You know, they're busy, we are busy. And by the way, the house far away is out of the way. How far out of the way? We are both living in the east. I was living in Tampines and they were in Katong. But the truth of the matter was that I hardly would go back home. Because every time, even driving by around the area, just give me the chills. Just reminded me of the difficult childhood that I had. So I never talked much or wanted to visit them much. I avoided that whole area because somehow, just instinctively, that area means pain. So I, I just say, no, 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 let's, let's not go back. And I always ask Kong, Kong, why don't you talk about your family? You know everything about my family, you know, but I don't know much about yours. And he will answer me and say, what is there to know? It's a standard family. What do you want to know? You know, and then I said, what about your childhood? You know, I've talked so much. I told you so much about my childhood. You hardly mention about your childhood. You know, and his standard answer will be, I'm tired. <laughs> Do you really have to talk to, about this now? I need to sleep. I need to sleep. Oh, I need to go out for a drive. <laughs> so I knew something was very wrong deep inside. Something that was being suppressed and repressed. That Kong didn't want to address it. Yeah, but she's a smart girl. My wife's smart, you know, and she knew that the way to Kong's heart is through his stomach. <laughs> and son's a very good cook. So one night, she cooked a sumptuous dinner for me, and then after I ate, she settled up to me. She said, Kong, in a very sweet, angelic voice, Darling. Tell me about your childhood. So, of course, I just had a full meal. My guard was down. All the blood had flown to my stomach. I was not thinking, you know. I said, I have a typical childhood, you know. I mean, there's nothing special. He said, tell me, tell me, how, was, how were you like when you were younger? Well, to, 
18, 19, I was in the army. I was an ants boy. Well, what happened when you were 17? I was in junior college. I was in school. What happened when you're 16? O levels, right? Study for O levels. 15, nothing much. Study, study, just like a typical kid. 14, study, I guess. Can't remember. 13, can't remember. 12, can't remember. 11, can't remember, dear. 10, don't ask, I can't remember. Nine, eight, seven, six, can't remember, can't remember, I can't remember, I really can't remember. Try, it's important. So she said that to me, try. And I really tried. But it seems like one portion of my life was wiped out. It never existed. And I really tried. And I said, son, I'm trying, I'm trying. And all of a sudden... The Holy Spirit just came right into our living room. And he took a key and went deep into the deepest recesses of my soul into a door I've never thought of that I I thought it didn't exist anymore. He opened the door that probably marked six years old. And when the door was opened, Memories after memories after memories of what happened that night came flooding in. And oh my, I totally remembered everything I saw and heard and the pain. I started sobbing. My sob became hot tears that just couldn't stop. And then I found myself wailing at the top of my voice and crying and crying for one hour. Wave after wave of the Holy Spirit's healing came and just healed a broken heart of a frightened six-year-old little boy. That whole night, I was in a mess. I just kept sobbing myself to sleep for the next one week, two weeks, all throughout the days. I found myself weeping and sobbing. And I could remember now what exactly happened. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. But something happened. Suddenly, my heart began to feel again. Suddenly, I could feel love. Suddenly, I could feel the emotional wall begin to crumble down. And the first feeling of love I felt was for my mom and for my dad. Suddenly, I missed them. Suddenly, I felt the love for mom and dad. And I say, son, we got to go home. We got to see them. And, and that day, we just got into the car and went back home. And something wonderful happened. I, I love my home. I love my family. I love my dad and my mom. That I never felt I loved them before for so long. And two years later, they gave their hearts to Jesus Christ and became wonderful Christians. Hallelujah. Amen. And I tell you the truth. In the last 21 years, my dad and my mom, they are two of the most loving couples I know in City Harvest Church. Oh, come on, let's give them a big clap. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. But more than that, 
my heart was getting whole and getting healed. And when I could feel love again, I found that I'm not afraid for arguments or quarrels, which is common for any marriage. And wherever there's tension and wherever there's arguments, I don't feel sleepy anymore. I'm the one that's sleepy now. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I, 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 I don't feel I need to escape. I don't feel I need to go and take a drive. I feel that I could handle it. I feel that I could engage in, in, in a real marriage relationship. Oh, why don't we just give God a big hand? Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You know, love is like a huge magnifying glass. Love opens up our heart so that we can connect with each other. But when we open up, all the old hidden wounds will surface. But can I say this, church? It is a good thing because when all the old hurts and old wounds resurrect, it is only for one purpose and one purpose alone. The purpose is to seek healing. And that is why marriage is so beautiful. If we will allow God to do that, if we will be patient with each other, through marriage, we can find the needed healing for our soul. And one truth remains, the healthier you are emotionally and mentally, the happier your marriage will be. So to all the singles over here, those who are not married, you know what? The, the whole thing is just not to look for the perfect partner. You be the right person yourself. And you're going to find that, that whoever you, you, you have in your life, even if you stay single all your life, you're going to find that you're going to be a good friend, you're going to be a, 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 a good sister, a good brother. You, you're going to find that you're able to relate to people in a healthy way. But imagine if son didn't have the emotional capacity to deal with me. Imagine if she had a lot of emotional walls herself and she's also emotionally shut down. So she'll shut down, I will shut down, our marriage over. We could be together under the same roof, but we, we are in all purpose and intent, a married couple, but not really one in the spirit, not one, not soulmates together. So son had the capacity to be patient, the capacity to keep wanting to help me through. So this is really important. So I want to challenge all of you. You, you, you try to be as healthy as you can, emotionally and mentally, and you're gonna build great relationships. Now, but notice this, how did son and I solve this problem? We communicated. So here is an important thing, communication, is the key to marriage. In fact, communication is the key to any relationship. Communication is the key. This is our first relationship builder, communication. And the first reason why a marriage is unhappy is because of poor communication or zero communication. And this really the main reason for divorce. And let me tell you, divorces are happening as much in the church as it is among Christians, as it is among non-Christians. And the number one reason is we don't communicate. This word communicate in the Greek is koinonia, which means fellowship. In order to have fellowship, there got to be communication. You got to want to talk to each other. You got to want to share heart to heart. How good we are in communication will determine how good 
our fellowship is, how good our marriage and our relationship is. So to communicate, we use words. And words are powerful. Words have creative power to build up. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3 tells us that the whole universe was framed by the Word of God. And Jesus says that our words are so powerful that we can cast mountains into the sea. Amen. You know, and, and the effect of words, church, the effect of words can last a long, long time. Matthew 24 verse 35 says that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. And recently, I met a father in church. And in our conversation, he thanked me for praying for his son, Gabriel. You see, what happened was that in the year 2013, Gabriel was diagnosed with leukemia. Many people prayed for him, but besides being bound by leukemia, Gabriel was being bound by fear, fear of what would happen to him in the future. Will he survive or not? So he was so bound by fear. And in 2014, he came to City Harvest Church. He came to church. And the father said to me, Pastor Son, when you prayed for Gabriel, there is something different in your prayer. You spoke the word of God to his fear. You spoke to his fear. And that day, all the fears in Gabriel's life left him. See, the word of God tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Gabriel heard the word of God. I spoke the word into his fear, into his situation, and that day he was set free. So now, Gabriel became fearless. He continued his treatment, but in his heart, he knows that Jesus will heal him completely. And this morning, I'm so excited to tell you, City Harvest, that Gabriel was in our service yesterday. The whole family came, you know, and Pastor Paul met them, and Gabriel was uh, telling him how fit he is physically. You know, he's uh, playing soccer, and Gabriel enrolled himself into SOT this year. And the most important thing is, Gabriel is free, free. and he is healed of any kind of leukemia in his body. Hallelujah. The Word of God, the Word is powerful. Oh, come on, go ahead and give God a big clap. You love leukemia because of words that are able to build you up. So words have tremendous power, but at the same time, words have destructive power to tear down. Nations go to war because of words spoken at the heat of a moment. Nations fight. You know, husbands and wives separate or divorce because at the heat of an argument they use the D word divorce why don't we divorce all right you want to divorce let's divorce friends words are powerful you got to be careful how you use it words can go very deep into a person's soul look at proverbs it says in proverbs 26 verse 22 the words of a talebearer are as wounds and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Be careful when you gossip because when the person hears what you say behind the person's back, it goes down deep. And you know, sometimes it's hard to forget. Now, words can break a person. Job asked the question, how long will you break me in pieces with words? And he's asking his friends, how long will you break me? Words can break a person up. To communicate, we say that we use words, but we also know that communication is more than words. We communicate also by our gesture, by our spirit. 
We speak through our facial expression, our hand gesturing, you know, and our body language, our whole demeanor. And so, you know, are you a hand person? You are a hand person. No, the last time we quarreled, you a lot of hands. Oh, that is uh, when it's necessary. <laughs> <laughs> but we do speak through facial expressions. Yes. You know, sometimes son get upset with me. Son said, eh, 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 you know, if, if you really love me, your face certainly doesn't show that. You know, or sometimes son said, if you are so patient with people, look at your face. You can't see the mirrors. <laughs> Oops. Okay. Most of all, guys, we communicate by our, our spirit, by our attitude. We're constantly oozing out that attitude. So the question to ask ourselves is, what kind of attitude are we oozing out in a relationship, especially in our marriage? Is it an attitude of gratitude, an attitude of anticipation of a great future together? Or is it an attitude of disappointment, discouragement, and hopelessness? I want all of you to look at this diagram right now. Can we show this diagram? Yeah. This has gone viral on the internet. Chances of men winning an argument against a woman. They say dating, 50%. Engagement, it goes down. Once you're married, there's no way you're going to win the argument. Pastor Aris Clapp. <laughs> Yesterday, I asked, maybe Sandy was around. Sandy, uh, son absolutely disagree. She said, that's not true. That's not true. I said, you just proved the argument is correct. This is correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So how many of you think it's true? Don't put up your hands, right? You're good. <laughs> Once you're married, no way you're going to win an argument. It's just, now let me tell you, I don't think this, this is a scientific research. This is just for fun. But this, sometimes this is how we feel. In a marriage, there's no, no way you're going to communicate. There's no point. Because what's the point? What's the point talking to your wife? She's not going to agree with you anyway. And you're gonna, not going to win her. So most men just keep quiet. Years ago, Cliff Richard had a hit song. How many of you heard of a singer called Cliff Richard before? Yeah. Well, more people here. Yesterday, a lot of young people heard of Cliff Richard. Hardly anyone. Hello, Miley Cyrus. <laughs> Cliff Richard used to, used to sing this. Used to think that life was sweet. Used to think we were so complete. Used to feel we had it made. Used to feel we could sail away. Can you imagine how I feel today? Well, it seems a long time ago, you were the lonely one. Now it comes to letting go. You're the only one. It's so funny how we don't talk anymore. Right, the song? It's so funny. Why don't we don't, we don't talk anymore? You guys feel like I'm a dinosaur, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I ain't losing sleep. And I ain't counting cheap. It's so funny how we don't talk anymore. Communication starts to break down because of hurt, anger, disappointment, loneliness, rejection. So we don't talk. And the marriage relationship starts to have difficulties. The cell group relationship starts to have difficulty. Your best friend in your office, now you start have difficulties. One partner doesn't want to talk anymore. I know I should communicate, but emotionally, I'm empty. My love tank is down. It feels like 
my wife doesn't love me, she doesn't respect me. So what's the point of talking? She's just tolerating me. I don't want to talk anymore. She can do her own things, feel her own way. It's a waste of time. She'll live her life, I just live my life. So one partner doesn't want to talk anymore. Sometimes we want to communicate as a couple, but we don't want to talk directly to each other. I feel disappointed. We don't talk. We only argue. We never come to any resolution. In fact, we disagree on everything. So now you pass messages through a third party to others. So you tell your son, tell your dad, if he insists on behaving like a baby, I won't go with him to the company dinner. But church, let me tell you, as a couple in a marriage especially, if we pass messages through a third party, it will only worsen the problem. So can you imagine your son go tell dad, Daddy, mommy says that you are a useless baby. She is definitely not going with you to the company dinner. Oh, broken telephone, broken telephone, broken telephone. <laughs> and what happens when both partners don't want to talk anymore? This is what we call a cold war. Why do couples have cold war when both sides just keep silent? That is when the couple perceive that their problems are so huge, so big, it's so entrenched, it has gone on for so long that they just can't see that it will be ever, ever be resolved. So they both stop trying. They both stop not wanting to understand or to be understood. And that's when the couple grew farther apart. You know, sometimes the unthinkable happen. You get so angry, shouting, screaming, the relationship, the communication becomes abusive. Emotional abuse, cutting one another, physical abuse. You know, taking, throwing cups, slamming door, pushing, shoving, beating. I, let me give an example. Let's, give, let's demonstrate this. Imagine Jim and Jane, okay? Jim and Jane. So not Kong and Sun, Jim and Jane. Not us, not us, but imagine. So you're Jim. I'm Jim, you're Jane. Here we go. Jim, you're so hurtful. You're so critical. Every word from your mouth cuts me into pieces. You devastate my life. Do you know that every day I barely survive? Let me tell you the truth. I've long given up hope on our marriage. There's no love. There's no kindness. You never tell me the truth. You, you want to know the truth? You can't handle the truth. You want to know the truth? You want to know the truth? You want to know the truth? Let me tell you, you never respected me. You never loved me. And you know, that mother of yours, I just wish you'd jump off the flat and die and leave us alone. Daddy, this is not real. He's Jim and I'm Jane. I know you're watching. <laughs> Let me tell you, you know what? I wish I should just die and leave us alone. And, and as far as I'm concerned, this is the truth. You want to know the truth? You have the truth. You happy? You happy? Shattered. Shattered. It gets worse. When doors are slammed, cups are flying. <laughs> it becomes violent. Nobody responds to violent abusive communication. Church, you know, before this weekend when we were preparing the message, you know, I got really nervous because I thought that, you know, for the first time, many of you are going to hear our stories and I don't want you to judge us that we are so human. But yet, we 
I think what Pastor and I want you to see is that none of us are perfect. And to work through a marriage, it takes work. And the grace of God can always be upon us if we just believe and make Jesus the center of it all. Amen. You know, and in order to restore our marriage, we do need to communicate heart to heart. We need to share thoughts. We need to share feelings. And we need to share them in all honesty. You know, don't just exchange facts and information. This is not sharing heart to heart. This is not communicating heart to heart. Don't talk about other people, other things. Like for example, how are you? I'm fine. Weather's hot today. What about you? Um, traffic was bad. I like your dress. Oh, uh, thank you. I bought it at Isetan. I uh, like your shirt. Oh, yeah. Thank you. You bought this for me two weeks ago for my birthday. You see? This is not communicating heart to heart. Communicating heart to heart is not just talking about logistics. Who would do what and when? Who is going to pick day in today? Um, today is Friday. I guess it's me. Who's going to do a grocery? Well, if it's Friday, I guess it's me. Can you see that there's no personal sharing? You know, everything is shallow. Everything is just on the surface, superficial. Each person is just standing safely on the other side of the invisible wall. Now, if you want to communicate, it's not enough just to share your thoughts, your opinions, what you heard from the news. You've got to share your feelings. The innermost feeling you have, the deeper you can share your feelings, the closer the two of you will become. For example, your wife says, I can't take another day staying in this small little flat that belongs to your brother. You know, I think I'm going to go crazy. The kids are screaming. Our kids are screaming. We're all crammed up together in your brother's little flat. Please, I, I, I can't take this anymore. And then you say, how are we going to handle our loan payment? If our loan payment get any bigger, I'm the one that's going to go crazy. And then the wife said, but we've been married for eight years. We have our own HDB flat. Why must you keep renting it out? And we all got the bunk in here with your brother. And I just don't like the way that he keeps talking down on you every time. And then you say, look, I, I thought you want us to save the money so that one day we can move our HDB and our private condominium. I didn't know you feel so much. I thought this is what you wanted. Wow, this is intense. Both of you sharing frustration, but at least you're sharing your feelings. It's better than, hmm, how's the weather? How's the kids? How's your dress? At least you're sharing your feelings. The point here is this. Sharing our life means you've got to share your heart, your mind, your soul. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. You must love one another with all your heart, all your mind or your soul, and you got to share feelings. But people who are emotionally shut down, they find this very, very difficult. They find it very hard, because why? Their heart cannot feel anymore. It's numb. It's buried deep in cold storage. It's in deep freeze. And we're now sharing our thoughts and our feelings openly, in total honesty. The marriage dies. You can be together in one roof, but the marriage dies. Of course, if we open up fully, there's always a risk of ridicule, 
rejection, being laughed at. Ah, don't be so weak. You know, you're always feeling so much. You're so weak. Or, you know, don't be so vain. You know, why you feel so much? You tend to compare with other people. So vain. Or, you know, things like, you're overthinking this. You're always overthinking. Always overthinking. Always overthinking. You should be happy that I'm thinking. <laughs> but if we don't reveal our real self, how can we ever be soulmates? How can two souls merge into one? If you don't reveal in total honesty your deepest feelings, to be soulmates, honesty is not the best policy. Honesty is the only policy. The only policy. Turn to your neighbors on your left and right, married or single, and say, honesty is the only policy. Tell them that right now. Amen. How to revive communication in a relationship? I believe that there are three ways of reviving communication that has broken, downed, or even died in a marriage. First, you and I need to identify hurts and failures. Like what pastors say, to be soulmates, there must be total honesty between the husband and the wife. So we need to ask ourselves, what is blocking our communication? What is blocking our communication? Why do we stop sharing heart to heart anymore? Usually it's one of the two things, hurts. We need to identify the wounds that cause us to build up the emotional walls, that cause us to shut down emotionally. Perhaps that hurt in the marriage, they've grieved us so deeply that cause us to lose hope about our future together. Or what about that hurt that have caused us to be so angry for so long that now we are so bitter, you know, and we are so resentful. Church, we lose motivation to communicate because we are afraid to open up that wound to be hurt again. Yeah. The hurt initially can be so minute. It can be so harmless. But yet, if we don't deal with it, it can snowball into something that's so disastrous. I remember many years ago, in one of, in one of the Valentine's dates, Kong bought me this life-size Snoopy. Man, I have never seen a Snoopy that's so big. Hey, good husband. And in the arms of the Snoopy, it was a card with a beautiful poem. I was so touched. I really was so touched. I... We were in the office, so he, you know, he got someone to put it in the office. When I came into the office, I was so shocked. So I ran to his office and I said, Kong, where do you get such a big Snoopy? I really like it. Where do you get it? You should have seen the shock on his face. He couldn't answer me where he got that Snoopy. So now in the room, it was not just him that was shocked. I was shocked. And very quickly from being shocked, I became angry. And I said, Kong, please, please don't tell me that you got someone to buy this Snoopy for me. I was busy. <laughs> but it's the thoughts that and counts, And he right? quickly justified himself that said, but I told the person exactly what to buy. Yeah, I did. I said, must be this big, something this size, something. Something this size. <laughs> oh, God. It could have come in the form of cat. Yeah. All right. So... Knowing me, I wouldn't let him go. And I stood there and I said, my following question was, what about the card? You should have seen the I guilt. I signed it. I signed it. You should have seen the guilt that's written all over his face. He didn't pick up that card. 
Most likely, he doesn't even know what the poem was all about. But I signed it at the end. I don't have to tell you how our Valentine's ended. It was bad. But what was worse than that was I didn't resolve that hurt. I didn't resolve that wound inside me. I suppressed it. And after a period of time, it became a complex in me. I convinced myself that if Kong doesn't even love me enough to get me a personal gift, if he doesn't even love me enough to get a card and know what the card says, then perhaps he didn't love me. Maybe I'm just a co-worker to him. So every time when we have differences, every time when we're quarreling, I'll say to him, you know what, Kong, it's fine. It's really fine. You know, I mean, you're the boss, I'm your co-worker. And anyway, let me just tell you, you don't need a wife. You know, I'm not your wife, I'm your co-worker. You're both co-worker and wife. <laughs> Jesus, deliver me from this. <laughs> but I repented, right? Yes, you did. I, I, I yes, repented, did. I repented. Okay, the story, the story must end properly. <laughs> must end properly. For one year after that, I showed restitution and I wrote her a card every week for 52 weeks for the whole year. And I picked the card and I wrote, and I just didn't sign my name. I filled up the entire card with words, my own words, and I make restitution. That is true. <laughs> and uh, I want to thank you. I want to thank you that, you know, your restitution has... Uh, exceeded my expectation. Amen. 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 But I think what, um, what was more important or what I really appreciated, what Kong did was that he really talked through with me and walked me through the hurt and that complex yeah. communication. I think in marriage it's like this because we're not perfect people and we fall out and, and we got to help one another get through those hurts and that's the beauty of marriage. Marriage like love as a magnifying glass in the marriage brings out the hurts that is seeking for healing so that all of us can be made whole. And the second thing that we need to identify is failures. Mm. A secret sin we have committed in the marriage, perhaps. A secret affair, a one-night stand during a business trip, or losing all our savings in the stock market. You see, our regrets and our remorse make us afraid to open up. It's like Adam, after he sinned against God, the Bible says that he hid behind a tree and refused or was afraid to communicate with God anymore. So our conscience is weighed down by guilt. We lose motivation to communicate because we are afraid to get caught. For the relationship to thrive, church, for our marriage to be restored, we must identify our hurts and our failures and deal with it because if we don't deal with it, it will just keep popping up and eventually it will destroy our marriage. And we need to deal with it honestly. Total honesty. Total open honesty. I know it's scary, but that's the only way both of you could be soulmates. Now, you say, wait a minute. My hurt is caused by others. I'm hurt because of him. I'm hurt because of her. I'm hurt because of my husband, my wife, my cell group leader, my father, my mother. The point here is this. When Adam sinned, what did he do? God is the woman you gave me. So he's blaming the woman, blaming God. 
Now you got to see, you fell up. I got to see, I messed up. Everybody, let's all read out loud. Matthew 7, verse 3 to 5 is on the screen. Let's say out loud right now, starting now. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eyes and do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite! First remove the plank from your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eyes. So, look at what this verse says. You consider your own plank. You consider your own fault. doesn't matter if other people have planks. Jesus says, you consider your own before you consider others. So first thing first, what we need to do is to identify the hurts and the failures in us, not others, not others. So when we open up to one another, please don't say, you make me feel guilty. You make me hurt. You shame me. You, 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 your family, your friends, you don't. Because when you do that, you're putting the blame on the other person. You start off, when you open up, start by saying, I feel hurt. I feel demeaned. You, I feel embarrassed. I feel let down. I feel rejected. State honestly how you feel or how you felt. This may be difficult, but friends, we need to identify the hurts and the failures. All right? Then we must confess and we must repent. Psalms 51 verse 4, I would like you to read together with me. Against you, you, you only have, have I sinned. sinned. Let's read together. And, and done this, this evil in your sight, sight that, that you may be found just when you, when you speak and blameless when you judge. judge. See church, we need to admit that our hurts and our failures have wounded our spouts. And total honesty means no secrets. Pastor and I have been talking about this. I know we love a lot and that's great. But really, for married couples, we know how difficult that can be sometimes. But yet, for our marriage to survive and to thrive, total honesty means no secret and definitely no shifting of blame. I mean, the point here is this, guys. We are supposed to be soulmates. How can there be one part of you that the other side doesn't know? How are you going to merge as one? How can there be, there be secrets in our lives that the other person doesn't know? It's eventually, it's going to cause friction. Eventually, the merging is not complete. And the fulfillment in the marriage is not 100% there. You always feel there's something that's been left out. We don't know each other. We don't know each other fully. Total honesty, I know it's scary. And I need you to process this. I need you to let the Holy Spirit help you to process. And so often, that secret can be a foothold for the devil. And that's what you don't want in your marriage. Yeah. So you need to confess. You need to be open. You need to repent. So when we confess, mm. what are we doing? We are basically agreeing with God that we are wrong to cause pain to our husband or our wife and that we have grieved God's heart and when we repent, we know that repentance is a change of mind and a change of action. 
So we are determined from today on to behave differently from now on. And we ask the Holy Spirit to give us His power to love our partner the way God wants us to love them. So number one, you identify the hurts and the failures. Number two, you confess and you repent to each other, guys, not just to God, each other. Because we are talking about reviving communication here. All right? You got, you got to start communicating. And number three, you forgive. You forgive one another. Now, what is the essence of God? The essence of God is love. And love and forgiveness, they are synonymous. I can't say, I love you, son, but I don't forgive her. So love and forgiveness, they are synonymous. Let's all read Colossians 3, verse 13, out loud. Come on, guys, from the front to the back. Last verse, starting now. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. You must forgive. You must. I must forgive my wife. She must forgive me. Now, how can you say must? Unless... Forgiveness is not a feeling. Ah, forgiveness is a choice. It's a decision, an act of your will. Forgiveness means I let you go. I let you go of all the hurts and all the pain because I let you go and I choose to love you. Now that's tough. That's not easy. Doesn't mean you forget what happened. Doesn't mean you forget the affair doesn't mean you forget the pain it has caused. But it means I let you go. I will choose to love you. I will choose to be committed to you. When you are willing to forgive, then all of a sudden there's a chance that this marriage can be a heaven on earth. If you can't forgive, then there's no way that love could ever flow. So three important things, right? You got to Identify your hurts and your failures. You've got to confess and repent. And you've got to choose to forgive. And all God's people say, Amen. How many of you will decide today you're going to be better at communication? We hope you've been blessed by the message. If you have a testimony to share, write to us at connect at chc.org.sg.